Hi, and welcome to the TRU Alumni Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin McIntyre, TRU Alumni Manager and Alumni. Today, our guest, Greg Stewart, 2012 BBA graduate, majoring in Human Resources, Thompson Rivers University Wolfpack, and UCC Sun Demons athlete. What has Greg been up to lately? Winning a gold medal in Tokyo. Welcome, Greg Stewart. Beautiful. Dustin, buddy. So awesome to be on here. Thank you. Uh, Greg and I have known each other for the better part of, I was doing the math, it's almost 15 years, Greg. So excited to have you on the podcast and uh, hear more about your story. Awesome, man. Awesome, awesome. So you're from Kamloops, uh, born and raised. I actually am not born and raised here. Oh, no way. Where are you from originally? Yeah, so I actually moved here in 2000, I believe it was, 2000, 2001. I moved here because my dad was in the RCMP and he got transferred here. Right. So I've been here for for over uh, 20 years, um, on and off. Um, So I should have done more research is what you're telling me. Hey, no, no, no. It's all good. You know, there's a, there's always a backstory to the first backstory, right? So yeah, no, no, I was actually born on the island. Oh, right on. I'm an island boy. <laughs> so you still <laughs> went to uh, KSS back then though? I did. Yeah. So when I moved here, I was in grade nine. So I did KSS for the first, what, grade nine, grade 10, grade 11. And then uh, John Peterson and Calum Secondary School merged to create what everybody in Kamloops now knows as South Kamloops Secondary Schools. I was the first graduating class of South Cam. Awesome. And uh, you played basketball growing up, I'd imagine, and then uh, became a Sun Demon. First first year was a Sun Demon. Yeah, so I I, I played uh, high school. I played high school basketball and volleyball. And actually during my um, high school, I was also on our national disabled volleyball team. Uh, where we had the opportunity to travel the world and uh, represent Canada as a disabled athlete. For those of you that are listening, I was born missing my left arm below my elbow. Uh, But a lot of people don't see or recognize my arm because Dustin, as you and I both know, I am a gigantic human being. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No visual here. So yeah, seven to uh, missing the bottom half of your left arm. You know, speak about that a little bit. So being born as a congenital amputee is what you technically on the uh, on medical terms are. Uh, I don't really know the actual reason. There has been discussions of uh, umbilical cord wrapping around that part of my arm um, and they're just not, for, not growing any further. Uh, it's actually quite common, this kind of uh, disability, the left um, arm. I know a lot of people are missing their left arm just like me. So yeah, I, um, I really just started to take part in sport um, at a young age, uh, but it wasn't until about 14 years old when I uh, all of a sudden was a gigantic person. I was six foot eight when I was 14. Wow! And then I moved to uh, Kamloops, and that's where I kind of got picked up to play on the national team for volleyball, and then at the same time playing high school basketball. Uh, and uh, yeah, it just you know it kind of grew into the sport. And the next thing I know, I'm getting recruit, recruited by Nevin Gleddy. And who was Nevin? Nevin, yeah, at uh, the Sun Demons, the UCC Sun Demons. So that would have been back in uh, the 0405 season. That's right. Where we actually, uh, we won nationals that year. Yeah, that was a pretty special year. Yeah, that's that's really incredible. So you started basketball. You played some Wolfpack volleyball as well. I did, yeah. So, but, I so did, you transitioned a little bit. I did. So my first year of basketball for uh, was at UCC. 
And then the following year, uh, we went from uh, University College of the Caribou to Thompson Rivers University because we got full university status. And so with that, we went from CCAA basketball to CIS basketball. So and what, what's the difference in kind of skill level between CCAA and CIS? The best way I could explain it is if you were to, if you were to compare CCAA, CCAA would be like you got one or two of the top players from kind of, you know, each school has kind of a one or two top players. You would have one of those players per team or two players per team. And then the others just kind of uh, work together and, uh, you know, make the whole team. Where CIS, I would say that every player, all five of them, you know, six that I coming off the bench, seven are that top player. And so there's just a lot more um, skill level, but on top of it, a lot more uh, mental awareness in terms of athletes, in terms of playing, just that that IQ of their sport. I'd say yeah, there's really- there's Div One basketball players playing CIS as well, right? NCAA Division One, so high high level basketball. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so my first two years was uh, CCAA, then CIS, um, and then I actually took a two year break. Um, I uh, I wasn't struggling with the coaching staff or anything like that. I was just struggling personally, being like, is this really what I want to do? That sort of thing. And then I took two years off, moved to Edmonton for a couple of years, and then ended up coming home back to Kamloops. But I came back to play volleyball. So I And I think that's under, when you and I first met Greg. Yeah. Yeah. So I played under Pat Henley for like two months, September, October, November, something like that. But even at that time, I was like a red shirt on the volleyball team, um, or I could be a starter on the basketball team. Right. I ended up making the transition back to basketball uh, and then uh, played uh, three more years in men's basketball. Pretty successful years uh, by all accounts. You are one of the, if not the block leader in Canada West. Is that correct? Yeah, I think. uh, I haven't checked the most up-to-date stats, but the last I remember, Greg. Uh, I think I, when I finished my career, I think I averaged 15 15.5 15.5 points per game and 13.3 rebounds per game. That's incredible. It was my, uh, yeah, all with one arm. And I played with a prosthetic, but still helped. And the height helped. So, yeah. Greg, I, was, uh, I recall I, you being very frustrated because you get fouled in your prosthetic arm and they wouldn't call it because you wouldn't react like someone else would. Totally. Uh, um, totally. How did you deal with that frustration of just, you know, you can't control that. You know it's wrong. The refs just can't make the call. How did you deal with that? Well, I think I dealt with it like the other other ways people would. I would get frustrated and mad. <laughs> and being like, you <laughs> in the moment and say something that, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that or, you know, reacted in a way that, you know, probably wasn't the best way, but that drew the attention. Um, but, you know, at the same time, too, it was a learning curve for me on how to understand how to work my arm, you know, this high level of uh, athleticism of people and whatnot. But at the same time, too, is a learning opportunity for the rest. Right. You know, how do you rest somebody who has one arm? So, you know, it was a learning opportunity for everybody. Yeah, so, how do you do it uh, with some equity? Yeah. Um, so you spent a lot of time in and around the Tournament Capital Center and the TCC here obviously is our incredible athletic facility. Not only does it have basketball and volleyball, but it's a community center as well with, you know, the, the, the swimming pool, but also a high level track and field facility. So you were exposed for a lot of years to some high level 
track and field. And what I'm alluring here to is yes. What are you alluring? What to? am I alluring to? Well, Greg, your your uh, most recent athletic endeavors uh, were in track and field. And so, how did you transition from you know you finished up as a Wolfpack player, very successful, into uh, track and field? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So when I finished at uh, TRU in men's basketball, I was actually CIS Defensive Player of the Year. Um, and Canada West Defensive Player of the Year two years in a row. So that was, yeah. Nice so it, everything, yeah, you know, those those helped out, you know, I think um, it's contributed just to like, you know, consistency of showing up and doing my best and whatnot. But then after I just, after I graduated, so I graduated, I finished, sorry, basketball in 2011. You graduated in 2012. I graduated in 2012. So I had one more year um, of schooling, which not going to lie, was a, it was totally a challenge for me to get that finished because with basketball, it created so much structure and uh, uh, that time commitment, everything like that. And then all of a sudden having that not there is challenging to, you know, be a little bit more committed to my schooling and whatnot. So I struggled a bit going through that, but, you know, I still, uh, I still graduated all that. And so, yeah, there was this time frame from about 2012 to actually about 2016, where I was just kind of in limbo mode. Um, I was, you know, kind of trying to identify who I was, uh, try to understand my, uh, you know, if I'm not basketball Greg anymore, who am I and all that. So really kind of like looking at my mental health. Uh, and so I did some, uh, I did some personal empowerment training and, you know, looked in myself so I could, you know, have a better identity of who I was. And while that was going on, I kind of stumbled across uh, shot put at the Counts Track and Field Club. And now, did you stumble across it or did they stumble across you? Yeah, it was kind of a mixture of both. Um, so Dylan Armstrong. Uh, and who's Dylan for, for those who don't know? Yeah, so Dylan Armstrong is an 08 bronze medalist in shot put at the Olympic level. Um, and he's always, he's from Kamloops. He went to Westside Secondary School, uh, an incredible athlete, extremely dedicated, hardworking, the epitome of, um, an, a, a, of an athlete in terms of what work looks like. And so, you know, I'd always seen him around TCC when he was training here and, you know, the time and effort he's putting in the gym, you'd see him every once in a while because um, they have the, what's called the training lab in the TCC and so it's specifically for the track and field club and then I think some uh, city employees but you know you'd see those guys in there and you'd kind of just peer in and see holy what are they doing well after me taking some time to myself and whatnot I came across some people in Kamloops here that were doing a, an ID camp for para sport and they were more focused on track and field and so uh, we exchanged some information and next thing you know, I'm at an identification camp in Montreal, actually. And I gave the opportunity to learn about shot put. So Parasport's a, well. a national organization? Sorry, what's that? Parasport's a national organization? They uh, yeah, you know, so go para, across Canada and try and find? Um, yeah, so when I say Parasport, um, I kind of ref I'm meaning the whole thing, but just, but this was athletics. So track and field. Mm -hmm. Um, specifically that they're just kind of like yeah recruiting um, because you know we're always looking for athletes you know whether you're able body so able body is somebody without a disability versus those that are disabled like myself and um, yeah they were just kind of recruiting and so I went to a recruitment camp and um, really shot put kind of 
really worked for me. And um, the unique thing about it was that uh, it was, uh, for those of you that have done track and field or for those of you that are team sport oriented, you know, there's a significant shift from team sports to individual sports. And that is your level of independence or at least that was the experience that I had. And right. what it was is just like, you know, I remember sharing stories with people, you know, when I was coached by Coach Clark, a current head coach of the men's basketball team uh, currently. And so, yeah, I played with him my last year. The, the changes really were that, like that level of independence. And I just remember like on basketball, Coach Clark and all that, you know, you'd show up for practice, you'd leave, you know, you'd, you'd show up for the bus ride, show up for the game you compete you go home right you just you that was your job whereas like individual sports it's like okay have you booked your plane ticket have you booked your you know where are you eating you know what have you signed up for the meet yet all that kind of stuff and it was stuff that i had never done before and i had no idea what the hell i was doing so you know it was, it was a pretty steep learning curve but it was something that i really enjoyed and something i was willing to commit to right away and so that was in basically early or late 2016 early 2017 when i started throwing shot put and then it was late September of 2017 that I started working with D- Dylan Armstrong as my coach. And and so you got an Olympic level coach pretty well straight away getting into the sport was then, you know, you get Dylan, do you feel like, okay, maybe I can be an Olympian as well? Was that always the goal or was the goal, this is something I want to try out. We'll see how it goes and we'll go from there. Totally, a, totally a tryout. But at the same time, in the back of my head, when I played on our national disabled volleyball team, we never made it to the Paralympics. And like the Paralympics are the biggest sporting event in the world, right? The Olympics, Paralympics. And, and so, you know, I always wanted to be able to attend the greatest sporting event, but I never had that, um, that vessel that would get me there. And so kind of working with Dylan and whatnot, it was one of those things in the back of my head is like, you know, if, you know, if I really, well, how he said it, he's like, I'm not going to treat you like anybody different. You know, whether you're a Paralympic or Olympic athlete, doesn't matter. It all depends on your commitment and whether you're going to commit to the sport or not. Right. And for him to set that right at the very beginning, I think was great because it really allowed me to um, know where he's coming from and also kind of set the stage for whether or not I wanted to compete. Yeah, like that's kind of where it all started. And, you know, in the back of my head, I was like, you know, maybe there is the opportunity to compete at a higher level and perhaps go to the biggest event in my life. I think of, you know, any athletics, any athlete's life, right? The Olympics is number one, number one. Yeah, (laughs) you don't get technically much bigger. Yeah, so I was like, you know, this could be the opportunity. So yeah, I just kind of stuck with it. Um, And uh, now I'm... No, I don't want to, I don't want to bypass the years of incredibly hard work that you put in. You know, I I followed your progress when you're, you're going to these small little meets here and there, just trying to up, up your level every time. and, And you did, you know so much success um when did you realize that you know what i am you know tell us the story about you're going to the olympics how did you find that out or how did you know what was the event and, and what did it take to get there well it was really interesting because of covid right so uh with covid the tokyo olympics were set for august of t- uh, 2020 well in march of 20 or april of 2020 it came to a point where uh, team canada chose to pull out from the Olympics and Paralympic Games. So they said that we're not going to send any of our athletes for safety purposes. Understandable. 
so that was really, really challenging. And it was a bit of a roller, or an emotional roller coaster because, you know, I've been training for this now for like three years to go to this. And now we're pulling out. And then shortly after the announcement of Team Canada pulling out, a few other t uh, countries pulled out. And then the Tokyo 2020 Olympic uh, uh, people themselves said, okay, we're going to postpone it to uh, 2021. And so that was really exciting, but it's like, oh shoot, now I got another year of training. And I think uh, just going back to your question, when did I kind of realize I could be an Olympian or Paralympian? And I think that would have been after Worlds in 2019 uh, in Dubai. And when I got second at Worlds. Wow. And it was my first uh, large competition, I would say international competition. You know, I threw a personal best of 1630. Uh, and then the world record holder, actually, Josh from the States through a world record, that same meet. And him and I were the only um, athletes in our Paralympic classification okay. to ever throw over uh, 16 meters. Oh, that's incredible. So if he wasn't there throwing a world record, you threw a world record in your classification. Correct. Yeah. That's incredible. So, first first major meet uh Good on you, Greg. That's that's just Thanks. yeah, that's so neat. So you well, get you're postponed, uh, and then you know you got another year of training, but it, it's happening. So Greg, yeah. you know well, we've already what's happening, but I'm trying not to be you know maybe I'm being superstitious or whatnot. But they you know they're going based on 2019 results, everything like that. So everything pointed to the fact that I was going, but I wasn't going to commit to going until I heard from my coach. Uh, Dylan, as well as our athletic director with Athletics Canada saying, hey, you've made the team. And so once that happened, they said, hey, you're going to Tokyo. That's when I think everything kind of hit. You know, I had a good a good cry by myself there for a bit and then called my folks and had a good cry with them. And, you know, because really the first national team I joined was in uh, 2001, shortly after 9-11, actually. Wow. And um you know, it was the year 2021. So it's been 20 years in the making for this opportunity for me to attend the biggest sporting event in the world. Yeah. Um, and it all kind of, you know, after postponement and injuries and this and that, you know, I was, I was, I was there, like, you know, it was within grasp. So, you know, not to, um, we've already talked about it, but Greg, you're seven foot two, I'm six foot two, and I have a tough time flying in airplanes and moving around you're going to tokyo uh japan which i think the average height there is just under five three we have to ask what was your experience like in an environment that isn't you know our environment's not built for you but this environment is really not built for you <laughs> what was that like well it was it was it was neat um again because of covid you, it wasn't a ton to experience but when you, when I was around, you know, the Japanese culture, the Japanese people, they were definitely like, honestly, same reactions as it is here in Canada. Right. You know, you're like a standard doorway is six foot eight. Right. I'm, I'm not good at math, but I don't think yeah. that's high enough for you. No, I'm six inches taller than a standard doorway. <laughs> right. right. Like I, I gave a talk the other day and I, to a high school and I figured out that I ducked under roughly 30 doorways before I showed up to their class at 8.30 in the morning. That's unbelievable. 
just what every day. So, so yeah, let's, let's touch on that. You, you posted after, so, you know, we're kind of going, we'll go back to, to the moment, yeah, but yeah. Um, you posted recently on your social channels that you feel that your uh, biggest obstacle to overcome every day is your height. It's not your arm. Um, and, sure. you know, and you really were, you kind of laid it all out there and, and it's, it's amazing to read. It's amazing to be a part of. So, you know, do you want to speak about that a little bit? Yeah. So my arm, like I was born this way, right? So I don't really know. It's like when people ask me, how does it feel to have one arm? Well, my response is, how does it feel to have two? Because I really don't know because I was born this way. Right. Right. So that's, I, I'm, I'm consistently learning and adapting to things just like everybody else is. But my height has played a mar much larger role in my everyday life because I wasn't born tall. And I didn't accidentally just become tall. Like it just, you know, over time I had to start adapting to every little thing that I do. So whether it's, um, you know, it might sound silly, but going down to tie my shoes. Yeah. Having one arm tying your shoes is a little bit different, but having to reach all the way down there. And especially the fact that when I tie my right shoe, my arm doesn't quite fully reach all the way there. So I got to like, my, I try to make my laces long enough on one side. Yeah, right. Sure. Right. But if, if I maybe it was a little bit shorter, it might've been a little bit easier to get to my toes. Yeah. Uh, I think they have Velcro shoes for that, Greg. Yeah, true. Yeah. I'm not, you know, you, that's a good point. I'm Though, to, I don't know if they make size 17 Velcro shoes. So yeah, true. Yeah, exactly. Different problem. Uh, yeah, different problem. But yeah, like sleeping in beds, you know, like people are asking me like, what kind of bed do you sleep in? I sleep in a king size bed, but I <laughs> still overhang on a king size bed. Of course. Right. I actually feel more uncomfortable when I sleep on a bed that like if I have to sleep sideways and my feet aren't hanging over it, it's kind of uncomfortable because I'm so used to my feet hanging over. That's yeah, um, that's a really good point. I never thought about that. Yeah. Vehicles like, yeah, I don't fit in any kind of vehicle. You know, I drive a big truck and even that, like for the most part, I don't have a ton of space, but I have more than any other vehicle I've had. So, you know, on that, that's just like me physically living my life. But then the fact that I don't know about you, but how often do you get stared at? Yeah, not not often, you know, and and uh, I imagine it's a little different for you. Yeah, so you know, just the constant being asked how tall I am, like being easily yeah. a couple times a day. Though so I'll tell you, Greg, one of my favorite things with you is every time, and I know you do this a lot of people, but it always feels special. You know, I, there's not many people in my life that can give me a hug and you know fully give me a hug, and you are one of those people, and you always give uh, great hugs. So appreciate oh, that, you know. So there's there's that. So we have to, that comes in the height then, you know, height's good for big hugs. Yeah. Wait, but you know, I'm sure there's, we talked about the, the difficulties, but you know, your basketball career, your volleyball career, all these were, were helped, I think by your height a little bit. So there's pros and cons for everything. So Greg, we, we got you in Tokyo now. We got the lead up. I didn't play, by the way, I didn't fit in the plane very well. Yeah. Yeah. What about those cardboard beds? Okay, so Tokyo um, is all about, or Japan is about sustainability. So they had all these cardboard beds um, that were made out of just like reinforced cardboard, basically. They were actually decently comfortable. Really? To be honest with you. Like the only problem is a single bed and I'm used to sleeping on just, right, like I said, a king. So a little bit more room. So there wasn't a lot of moving around, but I did ask, I got a sheet of plywood that I was able to put on the bed just so I didn't <laughs> feel where the bed was like, you know uh, where they came together but apparently the beds could fit like when the, the olympic team went they have like video of like what was it 
seven water polo guys laying on one just to see and i think it came to like 800 pounds or 900 wow. pounds or something like that so they didn't let you push two cardboard beds together to make a little cardboard for it no no that's, cardboard that's too bad my rooms were my room's a little bit small but yeah okay so let's let's go through uh day of you know obviously there's a lot of anticipation um you know a lot of you know mental health things that you go through leading up just getting your place in, in the or getting yourself in the right place day day of what do you, what's the day like pretty chill um that's how i kind of approach majority of things in my life you know we uh, mental health you'd bring up mental health you know we always make up these stories in our heads how things are supposed to look how things are supposed to act da, 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 da. and it's like you know if we put more trust out there that things are just going to be what they are it makes things so much easier and that's kind of how i've always approached it so on that day you know it was just like my typical you know have a shower before i go you know head on the bus you know i like to always have a hot shower before i go it loosens me up you know i do that before practice i do that for training Got, grabbed a bunch of coffee because i drink coffee during my competitions really um just to kind of give me that extra little uh or between each throw just to give it a little bit of more oomph um i didn't really drink any coffee that day except for when i competed so it gave me a little bit of the jitters but as well as just that oomph to throw further but another thing for shot put so when you go out there and compete um at my event there was eight there's eight athletes there's the top eight in the world um we were there we're ready to shine but when you throw, you get a minute to throw. So you throw one minute, then they got to measure and do all the things. So let's say on average, it takes two minutes. Well, if there's eight guys, it's 16 minutes in between each throw. So in that time frame, there's a lot of time to actually kind of be in a place of like, okay, I got to do this better. That guy threw better than me. Oh, I'm not good enough. Da, 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 da. Yeah. So I actually, I reached out to the Camelot's community before I left for Tokyo. Uh, for that and gave them an email and asked them to send encouraging words or stories and da, 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 da. And so from that email, I think I got like 400 emails. I made a, I made a binder with all those encouraging words so that when I'm in there, when I was competing and in between those, um, each throw, I was able to kind of just sit there and, uh, just read up, right. Encouraging words, everything like that, but a little piece of home, really yeah, Tokyo. Really but I didn't actually need to read the binder. <laughs> just having it with having it with you was kept you well, going well it kept me going but as you and i both know my first throw going into the competition was a pretty good one <laughs> yeah <laughs> how good was it greg it was uh, it was really good so um it uh, was a paralympic record on my very first throw when i get six and so on my very first throw i threw the furthest throw and a little thing about shot put shot puts like golf when you want to or like in golf when you want to really hit that ball really far and you put a lot of effort and stuff into it you typically hook it or slice it right right whereas if you just kind of go at it with this nice sense of uh, calmness and just trust and you just hit it and, and you know and it, you have that fluidity of hitting it and it just goes perfect that's what you want to do in shot put too but the moment you like i said the moment you put a lot of effort into it typically don't do well in Dylan, my coach was always saying, Greg, on your first throw, go out there and frickin' throw it as far as you can. And so I did, and I applied the pressure. And as you and I have been kind of alluding to the whole time. <laughs> so uh, when when did you know that was the one? Um, I didn't. I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so I threw it far enough that I'm actually the Paralympic champion. I'm the best Paralympic F46 shot putter in the world. 
Yes, sir, you are. sporting event in the world that you can attend to. <laughs> so what was that experience like when you realized you were the best in the world at oh. this? You know, I see your picture right now is, I think, that exact moment. Um, it is. <laughs> yeah, I've been waiting to talk about this picture. You know, your arms are all the way outstretched. You're shouting up to the sky. You know, it's just that mo- that pure moment of relief and joy and, and excitement. And, and you know, you're, you're a gold medalist and that's it. Yes. Honestly, Dustin, I still struggle with it even today. Um, the best kind of advice I've been given so far is our sports psych and uh, Penny is her name. And she's like, the further you get away from the date of success, the more of an impact it will have on you. That's incredibly and profound. So, yeah, it is. And like, it, it, it's so true. And every, you know, every day, you know, the further away I get from it, I think about it. And I'm like, oh man, that's crazy. I can't believe I did that. You know, I, I was so, you know, I'm so grateful that I was able to commit to this sport that Dylan, you encouraged me up to this point you know supporting me through it my family my community of Kamloops TRU TCC like I was so grateful that there was just so many things that were there and in place even during the the craziness of COVID you know that we were I was still able to be there and yeah like I was having coffee with a friend this morning and having the same conversation like to be able to attend the Tokyo 2020 games during a pandemic during the chaos that has been like throughout the world and for you know the world to come together for sport even though i'm sure politics would have played a role in all of it (laughs) which it always does but to be part of that was like yeah i'm just so grateful i'm so proud of that i was able to do it and then on top of it to win is just like yes what what so you know you get your your medal and then it's boom, you're, they kick you out of there pretty quickly uh, with COVID. You, you alluded to that. What was the whirlwind like uh, when you came home? Like, you know, you went, you just have to go see everyone and do everything. Everyone wants to congratulate you and see it. And, you know, yeah. how have you, you know, done all that? And still to this day, you know, we're having this podcast now. You were talking to a school recently, like, you know, forever, the rest of your life, you're going to be this gold medal Olympian who also happens to be an incredible basketball player, but also an amazing ambassador that, you know, people want to listen to your story. So how have you transitioned that success into maybe, you know, your next phase of your career? Well, first off, thank you for those kind words. I appreciate that. Um, Of course, my friend. I uh, honestly, I I don't know yet. It's still, it's still super fresh. Like Penny said, um, you know, but I'm going to, I'm going to, take it for what it is and i'm going to continue my 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 whole conversation this morning with my buddy for coffee was about leadership and you know what does leadership look like and i'm still even to i'm even now still kind of struggling what does that look like to me um but right now i think the most important thing is that i could just continue to trust in what's going on right now that you know i was able to go and compete that i was able to represent so many people that I'm able to go and talk to people about the importance of your mental health uh, within sport, you know, your, the importance of your mental health within your relationships with your loved ones, you know, everything like that to continue sharing that support, uh, sharing that love and all that. I think this is really kind of what my destination looks like these days, That's but great. you know, I'm just going to continue to take what is given and, uh, or at least think about it and uh, accept the opportunities that present themselves. 
I, I absolutely love that. Um, I don't know how else we can better finish this podcast. So I'm going to leave it at that, Greg. I want to thank you so much for, you know, spending some time with us for, you know, coming back to your alma mater and, and talking about your experiences. And, and we, you know, no matter what you do next, I'm sure it's going to be great. And uh, we are excited to be there along the journey with you. Beautiful, Dustin. Yeah, well, I appreciate you. I wish you all the best in this CareU uh, alumni podcast and that uh, you're going to crush it. Because uh, for those of you that don't know, Dustin is a uh, uh, just extremely outgoing, loving, charismatic guy who I think is uh, going to just destroy this industry in, in the most positive way. So, you know, I appreciate oh, this. Very and kind. forward to uh, uh, what the future that TRU has. And by the way, for those that you are listening, TRU is awesome. You know, I know I'm a local guy from TRU and maybe I'm biased, but... You know, there's a lot here that Camus has to offer. I know we're the interior, uh, but you know, if you're looking for a place that kind of feels like family, definitely check out. This is it. No question. Well, Greg, thank you so much and have a wonderful day and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Appreciate it, Dustin. Cheers.